0: everyone and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mental show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mental, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mental. That's my husband Norm. And every weekend we are here and we're doing life together. And we're so glad you've joined us.
1: And I'll bet most of us realize how close we are to Christmas. I know, it's almost I mean, here. It's just around the corner. We've all decorated. We're getting ready for the big day. But doesn't it seem like people are decorating and putting things out in the yard sooner, earlier, and earlier? People in our neighborhood started right after Halloween.
0: Halloween they did. <laughs> the lights were up and oh the, the breeze were up. And do you remember? when we saw those decorations, those Christmas decorations in Costco in August.
1: Yeah, now that's out of hand.
0: I know, I, I just couldn't believe it. And I asked one of the shoppers that was standing there looking at, it was a bunch of ornaments. Right, I don't know why they right. had red and green ornaments. And I said, what do you think about that? And she goes, "Huh, I'm not really bothered by it. She said, I like to get what I need early and make sure that I get it. <laughs> So, I guess she had the right attitude towards that. Well, she had
1: an attitude. Good for her. (laughs) But that's way too early for me. Sorry. A lot of people love Christmas decorations and all the traditions. So, today we're going to talk about those traditions, how we arrived at them, what they mean, because they can make families really come together.
0: Yeah, I love talking about this because traditions are just so important. They build community and families. They're shared by all of you. It's just such a great thing to do. So, one of my favorite traditions is putting up the tree. I know, I know we're going to have some conversation on this, Mm. but our entire family usually does this together. We put on the Christmas carols and Norm, you complain about all the lights that you have to put on the live tree.
1: Yeah. Well, that's because I wrap every branch and I use literally thousands of lights.
0: I know. I love it. It's beautiful when you're done.
1: Yes, it is.
0: It is. I know. It is. is.
1: But it's an incredible amount of work. One of these years, I'm going to win. I'm going to get a pre-lit beautiful fake tree, but somehow you just, you and Katie actually won't
0: have it. Never. Never. (laughs) Never. Never. It's never going to happen. I grew up in the north. Come on all you northerners. Let him understand pre-lit trees were not part of our tradition. I love the smell of fresh pine, even though I think I'm a little bit allergic to mm, it actually. Yeah. But I love the tr- the the trip to the the lot and when we pick out the tree and we're all looking at it, it's just so much fun.
1: Well, you grew up in the north. I grew up in the deep south, Honduras, Central <laughs> America. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and when I was a child on the mission field, there were pine trees trees in our country but they were diseased in those years and we couldn't use them as christmas trees it was it was real we were i never knew that i never
0: knew that about your so i have
1: no idea where he found it but my dad found one of those little silver artificial trees that are real short so you had to put them up on a table yeah yeah and then we had a rotating color wheel so that the colors always (laughs) change you couldn't put lights on it it was too
0: small Oh, my goodness. I remember we had a friend who had one of those color wheels. On purpose? Yeah. Yeah, big tree with the color wheel going. Yeah. Wow. such a difference in our experiences Mm -hmm. here. But I'm sure we both had ornaments, right? Okay, good. (laughs) And in our family, uh, we have a lot of ornaments that have a lot of special meaning to us. Ones our kids have have made. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people save those. They're so cute. They have pictures on them and everything. And one that were gifts to us, ones that we picked up traveling all over the world. I love, we have some from Finland that are my favorite uh, Christmas decorations of all. And we make hot chocolate and we haul out all those decorations from the attic. I just, I love that time, honestly.
1: Well, speaking of trees, did you know that the Christmas tree tradition started back in the 16th century? Wow. German fir trees were decorated indoors and sometimes outside with apples and roses and gilded candies and colored paper even.
0: Now wait, what, how do they get apples on the tree? They just stick them in between?
1: I suppose they would hang them. Okay, I I don't know. I I, I wasn't there. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of trees, did you know that in the Middle Ages, a popular religious play depicted the story of Adam and Eve's expulsion from the Garden of Eden? A fir tree was used hanging with apples that used to symbolize the Garden of Eden, you know, the tree in paradise. The play ended with the prophecy of a Savior coming, and that was often performed during the Advent season. Wow, and then, in the sixteenth century, the German folks used trees that they decorated, sometimes indoors and sometimes out with apples again, roses, candies that were gilded and colored papers.
0: Wow, that's yeah. pretty that's pretty interesting, really. You know, it's believed that Protestant reformer Martin Luther first adorned the trees with light. Oh, so that's I don't know if this is true, but this is what we believe. Well, coming home one December evening, The beauty of the stars shining through the branches of a fir, apparently Norm, inspired him to recreate the effect by placing candles on the branches of a small fir tree inside his home. Now, I'm German, and Germans also, are you ready for this, hide a pickle in the Christmas tree. No way. Yeah, and the first child to find it gets a small present. The pickle? The pi- <laughs> Well, our daughter would love that. She would eat it. <laughs>
1: that's a small precedent. <laughs>
0: right.
1: Okay, look, we both have German roots and neither of us has ever put a pickle I in the tree.
0: And our grandparents from Germany didn't ever say that don't either. Think but so. that's what I read. That's one of the traditions. <laughs> what can I say? You know, so Christmas decorations are definitely part of the tradition. I mean, who doesn't love looking at the window of Macy's in New York City or the way you the city lights up with all the Mm -hmm. decorations? But let's talk more about the origins of some of those other decorations. I really don't know much about why we decorate the way we do. I just... Do it.
1: I know. Well, special decorations were used to adorn Christmas trees. Food items such as candies, cookies, were used predominantly, and straight white candy sticks were one of those confections that were used as an ornament. Legend has it that during the 17th century, craftsmen created the white sticks of candy in the shape of shepherd's crooks at the suggestion of the choir master at the Cologne Cathedral in Germany.
0: Oh, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? And here's my favorite part. The candy treats were given to children to keep them quiet during ceremonies (laughs) at the nativity scene. And the custom of passing out the candy crooks at such ceremonies soon spread throughout Europe. Hmm. So, back then, candy... Keeps them Candy quiet. Keeps them quiet
1: until they get <laughs> until sugar they hyped. Until right. they get hyped up. That's right. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the Christmas stocking. Okay. Most all of us hang stockings on the fireplace. But did you know how the hanging of stockings began? I did not. Well, here I it is. do not. According to legend, a kindly nobleman grew despondent over the death of his beloved wife and foolishly squandered his fortune. This left his three young daughters without dowries and facing a life of spinsterhood.
0: Well, that's a sad story, but, but but the, enter that's right. the generous St. Nicholas, who we will talk about a little bit more later. After hearing of the girl's plight, he decided he was going to help, wishing to remain anonymous, he rode his white horse by the nobleman's house and threw three small pouches of gold coins down the chimney, where they were fortuitously captured by the stockings the young women had hung by the fireplace to dry.
1: And not into the fire, obviously. Right, right. <laughs> Could have been close, right? <laughs> yeah, it makes a really good story. But did you notice we're all saying these are according to legend? <laughs> That's right. Okay, here's another one: mistletoe. Oh, we've hung mistletoe in our home and apparently there is a tree behind our backyard with real mistletoe growing in it. Who knew?
0: Well, one of our friends came and said, that's mistletoe. I didn't even know that it grew on trees. That's how bad I am with that
1: Uh huh. Well, it appears Scandinavians associated the plant with Frigga, their goddess of love, oh. which may be why we have the custom of kissing under the mistletoe. Those who kissed under the mistletoe had the promise of happiness and good luck for the whole next year.
0: Oh, so the mistletoe really doesn't have any no. Christian association <laughs> well, or origins to it. Love. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the goddess stuff. I'm yeah. not too into that. Well, the ancient Celtics believed mistletoe to have magical healing powers. Oh, here it is again. Mm-hmm. And so it was an antidote for poison, infertility, wow. to ward off evil spirits. The plant was also seen as a symbol of peace. And it said that among Romans, enemies who met under mistletoe would lay down their weapons and embrace.
1: Oh, that's so, so sweet.
0: I don't know that that's the mistletoe doesn't have a lot of excitement for me now anymore.
1: Okay, let's talk about those pretty red plants, which we call poinsettias, and my mother insisted was poinsettias. <laughs> she,
0: she always said that because she was lived in Latin America almost her whole life.
1: <laughs> well, and she probably didn't know, maybe she did, that many churches who line their altars and platforms with poinsettias get them from Mexico, because the plant was native. Now we grow it here, but originally it was grown in Mexico and named after a guy named Joel Poinsett, who was a U.S. ambassador to Mexico, and he brought the plant with him to America in 1828. So, Poinsettias were likely used by Mexican Franciscans in their 17th century Christmas celebration.
0: So, they have some meaning there. Yes, they do. Yes. Well, one of the legends has it that a young Mexican boy, on his way to visit the nativity scene, realized that he had no gift for the Christ Child. So he gathered pretty green branches from along the road and he brought them to the church. Though the other children mocked him, when the leaves were laid at the manger, a beautiful star shaped flower appeared on each branch. Wow. The bright red petals, often mistaken for flowers, are actually the upper leaves of the plant.
1: You know what? God does miracles in many yeah, different ways. we don't know, but we that don't know. is what
0: the story is. He
1: certainly could have. Yeah. Okay, brings us to the big guy. Let's talk about all right. Santa. All right. He's always taking over Christmas everywhere you go. <laughs> but I know that the origin of Santa Claus began in the, are you ready for this? Fourth century. Wow. That means the 300s. That's With St. Nicholas. Early. Yeah, the Bishop of Myra in present-day Turkey. Oh. By all accounts, St. Nicholas was a generous man devoted especially to children. After his death around 340 AD, he was buried in Myra, but in 1087, Italian sailors purportedly stole his remains and removed them, took them to Bari, Italy, greatly increasing St. Nicholas's popularity throughout Europe.
0: Do you remember we were told this story Mm -hmm. in Italy when Mm -hmm. we visited in that region? I remember this now. So, in 1822, Clement Moore composed the poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, and he published The Night Before Christmas as a gift for his children, and in it he portrays Santa Claus. He says, He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread." And thus,
1: a chubby guy with a beard in a red suit shows up. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. (laughs) All right. Let's move on to Christmas cards. We do love to send them still, even though most people are not sending things in the mail so much. We have electric cards, electronic cards, and social media. But I love this tradition. It's so nice to get Christmas cards in the mail.
0: Cards are making a comeback. Good. Uh, A form of the Christmas card began in England when young boys practiced their writing skills. Hey, Mm. Practice your writing skills, young boys, by creating Christmas greetings for their parents. But it is Sir Henry Cole who is credited with creating the first real Christmas card. Hmm. The first director of London's Victoria and Albert Museum, Sir Henry found himself too busy in the Christmas season of 1843 to compose individual Christmas greetings for his friends.
1: So, he commissioned a friend of his, artist John Calcutt Horsley, to make an illustration, the card featured three panels with the center panel depicting a family enjoying Christmas festivities. And the card was inscribed with the message, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. It's kind of like cards are today. Yeah, it kind of sounds like it caught on. I I think so. I think (laughs) Hallmark got news. (laughs)
0: That's right.
1: (laughs) Well, we're close to Christmas. It's right around the corner. And after this break, we're going to continue our conversation about Christmas traditions. Think about the importance of creating traditions with your own family. So stay with us. More right after this break.
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show, and I'm Dr. James Cribbs, and we co-authored a book, Living Beyond Pain. If you're one of the 100 million people suffering from chronic pain, this is a book for you. Living Beyond Pain in stores now.
1: Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Just a reminder that you can follow Dr. Linda on social media, Twitter and Instagram at drlindamintel, and Facebook Dr. Linda Mintel, author and speaker. And always remember, you can listen to our podcast on MyFaithRadio.com or on your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes. Just search Dr. Linda Mental Podcast or go to MyFaithRadio.com. As a nice warm-up to Christmas, we've been talking about traditions, knowing that they're very important to families and even building community. Honestly, before this show, I had no idea about some of those traditions, including this next one. About Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer.
0: Well, before you go to that, before you go to that, let me ask you a question. Okay. So, when you think about the holiday, do you have traditions that come to your mind from my childhood, yeah, yeah, uh, because
1: we have some in our family. But my childhood, I grew up in the tropics, so number one, it was hot; it wasn't mm-hmm. cold. We didn't have snow.
0: So you're not snowmobiling and I'm ice not, skating no, and doing no. all the things that I did. Which <laughs> okay. is why,
1: when you tried after we were married to get me to skate and ski,
0: <laughs> I know
1: I don't do those sports, and I had absolutely horrible time trying.
0: Well, I know, and you had soccer ankles from college because right. you played college soccer, but. You have to understand, and I know we've talked about this, Norm, I was at the age of four, I was on double runner skates. So skating and skiing, I was in ski club in high school. So this is a part of the North and to have met somebody who had like no context for any of that was was really different for me. At that age, I had a soccer ball at my feet. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I was
1: kicking and running and playing. Uh, no, we really didn't, because I think living so far away, thousands of miles away from any family, and we never saw them, we had no opportunity to build those kinds of mm-hmm. traditions. And oftentimes, my dad was gone until the very last minute, and he'd come in just for Christmas, and then he'd be gone again because of his work with the church. So I feel in many ways... That I didn't have the typical American holiday experiences Mm -hmm. like you all did. And you certainly had a lot of them in your family.
0: Yeah, but I, I think it's important that we recognize that there are missionaries all over the world that are very far away from extended family and have to make their own traditions depending on where they are and what they're doing. But yeah, I grew up with a very large extended family. We all lived basically in the same area in Michigan, Mm -hmm. and we had lots and lots of fun and traditions. The one thing I do remember that I always, it always made me so anxious was my parents would always have us go over to my mom's parents, because my grandfather was a the preacher of the mm-hmm. church, and uh, we had to listen to him <laughs> and have dinner with them. Did he preach? Before no, but we had. He kind of, you know, he doesn't preach, but he kind of talked a lot about, you know, the the scripture and and what the night was about. And we were just chomping at the bits right. to get home to open up presents, of but course. we had to be very respectful for our grandparents. I can literally remember sitting in their living room, and I even remember what I was wearing and going can we just go? Can we just just be done? We can have this conversation later. But it was a fun tradition when I look back on it.
1: Well, you know, that brings to my mind one thing that might be a tradition for us. My dad always read the Christmas story. Yeah. And we did have that same, could you hurry up, please? Because we need to open these gifts.
0: And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, because we we incorporated that in our family. But go back to Rudolph. Now, you mentioned Rudolph, Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. Yeah.
1: Okay. You tell us about it from Chicago perspective.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we're former Chicagoans, right? and it was really fun to learn that the chicago-based Montgomery Ward company,
1: wow, Monkey Ward,
0: yeah, at department store operators had been purchasing and distributing children's coloring books as christmas gifts for their customers for several years. Hmm. And so in 1939, Montgomery Ward asked one of their employees to create a book for them in order to save money. This was their a money-saving <laughs> idea. <laughs> so 34-year-old copywriter Robert L. May wrote the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in 1939. And back then, Norm, 2.4 million copies were handed out that year. Mm. Right. Despite the wartime paper shortage, even, that was going on, over 6 million copies had been distributed by 1946.
1: And Robert May's story, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, was printed commercially then in 1947. And in 1948, a nine-minute cartoon of the story was shown in theaters. So when his brother-in-law, songwriter Johnny Marks, wrote the lyrics and a melody for the song Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, ha, it was on. The phenomenon was born.
0: Have you ever seen that nine-minute, or what was it you said, nine-minute cartoon of the story? You know what?
1: I bet it's on YouTube. I wonder. We should look Um, for that.
0: Yeah, I know there are cartoons and lots of cartoons with it, but it'd be fun to know what that original one was like. Okay, moment of truth. Are you ready, Norm? I'm ready. Do you like eggnog?
1: Yes, one cup once a year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The problem is you have to buy it in a big carton. I know. You always throw it away. But this is actually an American-born tradition. Hey, we have one. According to reports by Captain John Smith, we all know who that is, the first eggnog made in the United States was consumed in the 1607 Jamestown Settlement. Oh, wow. Yeah, nog comes from the word grog, which refers to any drink made with rum.
1: As any good sailor would know.
0: Right. And doesn't, you, I mean, I know you can do non alcoholic versions of that, but sure. is, isn't rum what goes in it?
1: I think we I always guess. do the non alcoholics. Yeah. So
0: I don't know. Yeah. But I think it's rum.
1: Okay. So, along with eggnog, as we're talking about Christmas food, how about Christmas pudding? Oh. Once it was called plum pudding. And this one's a British tradition. Also popular, by the way, and obviously in Australia. It has been served throughout history around the Christmas holiday season. According to the Oxford Dictionary, the pudding is, quote, rich, Boiled pudding made with flour, suet, and dried fruit.
0: What's suet? I don't know. What is the that? The pudding
1: itself <laughs> takes hours to cook and then it usually is served flaming hot. Or actually, on fire, flaming.
0: I'm going to have to look up what suet is. I don't know what suet is. Uh, It sounds like something from the fireplace.
1: It sounds wrong.
0: I don't. (laughs) I don't know if it's any good. I don't think I've ever actually had that type of Christmas pudding. Yeah. However, the making of the pudding norm is legendary for its wish making tradition. So here's something that goes along with that. So all of those who stir the batter are supposed to make a wish. Sometimes the bakers even drop a coin in the batter. And the person to find it on Christmas is considered the lucky one.
1: Unless he breaks a tooth.
0: Or like you could get (laughs) choke on that or swallow that coin. It must be a big coin so you can actually see it. I I don't know.
1: And here's one that's part of our modern day traditions. Baking cookies or participating in cookie exchanges. Opening gifts, Christmas Eve or day, doesn't make a difference. Making gingerbread houses and more, but please, no more coins in the food. <laughs> it's just about good food, I think.
0: I'm not putting those coins in no. there. I'm not doing it. And doing an advent calendar and a wreath, caroling. These are all fun things, too. Mm. And watching our favorite movies. I know in our house, we can probably recite pretty much every line of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I think Katie has every line memorized. Oh, She's a, she even has a sweatshirt. What does it say in her sweatshirt? I want. Who's got the gizzard or something? It's some line some from the line from It's the really film. funny. But it's all fun. And one of my fr- favorite traditions when we used to live in Virginia Beach was we would always get in our car and drive on the boardwalk and do lights on the beach. Do you remember that? I do. That was so much fun. They would have hot chocolate at the beginning of it. They would play music while you're driving. And then you'd see... All these lights going out into the Atlantic Ocean right, and right. on the boardwalk and everything. And I remember some years our kids, it was kind of slow. Our kids would get out and run and walk along and and kind of come back into the car and stuff. But what a fun thing to do. Just I'm sure most cities have lights somewhere that people can go right. to.
1: But we know that the true meaning of Christmas is even more important. And that's, of course, what the holiday is all about. The traditions we're talking to related to the Christmas story are far more important. They are. There are a number of those that are reminders in terms of the significance of the story.
0: Yeah, and one of them is holly. Oh. We decorate with holly. Yes. It has sharp edges, which symbolize the crown of thorns worn by Jesus at his crucifixion. And the red berries represent blood. Mm. And while that is not exactly a Christmas theme, it reminds us of the centerpiece Reminds us of Christ.
1: Right. I also love the idea of donating food to needy families or participating in the Angel's Tree or the Samaritan's Purse shoebox program.
0: I know. We, we try to do that every year. Those are great causes, and they bring gifts to kids, and it's just a fun way to give back, right? Right. And, of course, all the nativity scenes do remind us of the true meaning of Christmas. And, again, this came from the Italians, who immigrated to America because of poverty and social unrest in the 17 and 1800s. St. Francis of Assisi commissioned a nativity scene to be built and displayed it in front of the Catholic Cathedral in Italy, where he was priest.
1: And we had the good fortune of being there in we Italy. Did. During that Christmas holiday those centuries ago, this scene was made to represent the birth of Christ throughout the season and for days afterward. Today, it would take more than a week and over an hour to visit and tour all the nativity scenes in Naples and Rome alone. But I love that we got our nativity scene made from olive wood in Bethlehem.
0: We did. We did. We went to Bethlehem and got that. And let's end with the most important Christmas tradition of all related to the true meaning of Christmas. And, of course, that's reading the Christmas story. Over the years, Norm, we've, we read it. We have seen it, acted out. Our daughter was Mary one year, and our son was an angel that gave glory to God. This story is the most important story of all time. It reminds us that Jesus, in all his glory, gave up everything to come to earth in the form of a man being born by Mary.
1: And it's so important to include the Christmas story in all the celebrations as a reminder of the true meaning of Christmas. Despite all the fun traditions, let's not lose sight that Jesus is truly the meaning of the season.
0: So find a time to read the Christmas story sometime during your celebration. You may even want to have your family act it out or read different parts. It's all about God showing His love for us by sending His Son to be born in a manger.
1: And I used to do that to have the kids not get so anxious, but have them read parts of it. So we had great family participation. You did. We read it every year on Christmas Eve. It's it's our greatest tradition, and I hope you'll make it part of yours.
0: Well, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Norm Mintel, who makes the show a conversation, and to our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.